welcome to Streetwise, the podcast companion to The Pitch from Kansas City. I am the editor-in-chief of The Pitch and your host, Brock Wilbur. How is everybody doing? How are things? Me? Uh, not so great. Not, not the best time. Um, if you read The Pitch, which I assume you do, uh, a few months back I wrote about how I had a bit of an odd medical scare. Um, came out of that just before this hit, which uh, my wife and I are now thankful that it happened when it did, because if it had happened two weeks later, it would have been at the start of all this, and uh, that would have been a much less pleasant experience in the hospital. Um, but I'm still not uh, totally fixed from uh, what went down there. I've been trying some new medications that I've been uh, assigned, and uh, some of them don't seem to be working together the right way. And so the last two weeks especially, each day it feels like I'm sort of cycling through a set of different random uh, symptoms. Uh, and of course, because the disease uh, that's out there right now has every symptom, each time I get a new one, I'm a little more worried. I'm like, oh, is this is this the start of it? Uh, my, I, I suddenly had cold sweats or like the next day I couldn't feel my fingers. And I'm like, these things are new and different and not my favorite uh, set of situations. Um, so that's that's how that's been going for me personally. I uh, I'm very thankful for the people that work in the medical field, the nurses that took care of me back then. I know that they are all still doing well because I've been checking in with them. Um, KU Med Center. I went there the other day to get some blood work done. An incredible process where I didn't touch a surface the entire time. Uh, the only thing that I came into contact with uh, was the nurse uh, who was taking my blood. Uh, and when she touched my arm, I was like, hey, you're the first person that isn't my wife to touch me in three months. I don't mean to make that weird, but it is a weird experience. And she was like, OK. And I was like, yeah, you know, sure. That's how things like that go. Uh, we're ramping up for our big 40th anniversary celebration of the pitch. Uh, we were going to have a giant birthday party uh, that you were all invited to. That's not happening now. Uh, but uh, today I got to talk to the guy. Who created the pitch, uh, the originator of it? And uh, boy, uh, what a fascinating interview. And that'll be something that we were putting up uh, in the next couple of weeks. That'll be an exciting one. Uh, I just hope everybody's doing good. It feels like everyone deserves a little happiness right now. And uh, and I hope you're taking care of yourself. Uh, trying our best to take care of ourselves. Uh, my wife has been taking such good extra care of me uh, through this. So this is a thank you to her. Uh, anyway, today we have an interview with Chris Myers. He is the vice president and co-founder of Crane Brewing, uh, which is a local brewery. Uh, we, we just love having beer guys on the show now. Um, we talked to him a bit about what it's like to be going through COVID right now, how they're ramping back up, uh, what you can do to support local beer. But right now, it's time for Nick's Music Corner. Hello, I'm Nick Spacek, music editor for The Pitch, here with this week's local music recommendation. Over eight years ago, indie rockers The Republic Tigers recorded Mind Over Matter. The album was supposed to be their sophomore full-length, following on the heels of two EPs and their first LP, Keep Color. While the album was originally announced for a 2012 release, thanks to what the Tigers' Ken Jankowski delicately refers to as quote-unquote issues, the album was shelved. That is, until now, courtesy of Kansas City record label The Record Machine and its CEO, Nathan Rush. The first single from Mind Over Matter, Falco Peregrinus, drops this Friday, May 29th, with Mind Over Matter proper following on Friday, June 5th. 
The band's Ryan Pinkston describes the song as taking some twists and turns that are unexpected, and that there's this idea that a song like Falco gives people something that's more of an adventure and a journey than traditionally radio-ready cut. Check it out.
And now my interview with Chris Myers from Crane Brewing. Chris Myers, welcome to the show. Uh, introduce yourself to people. Yeah, I'm uh, Chris Myers, co-founder of Crane Brewing. What is Crane Brewing? We are a microbrewery in downtown Raytown, uh, just under five years old. Um, we call ourselves a community brewery just because we try and do what we can using our beer, using our tap room when, when it opened to kind of support different organizations and stuff around us. But we're more known for sour beers, but we kind of brew a little bit of everything now. So uh, how did Crane Brewing uh, first open up? Yeah, we started, um, myself, my partners, Jason Lauk, and then Michael Crane as home brewers, um, met each other and realized that we had the same similar passion for our same styles of beers and the same scope of, of kind of what we wanted to do. And it, it made a lot of sense for us to kind of do it all together. But um, we spent all of 2014 um, doing homebrew festivals and charity festivals, just giving away gallons and gallons of beer, trying to get our name out. Um, got us in touch with our first distributors, and so we were able to sign for a distributor before we opened, which really justified our business plan, you know, kind of helped us raise the last bit of capital we needed. Um, 2015, we got the building, we started working on construction and licensing, and brewed our first batch here in Raytown in September 2015. I know that you guys make a, uh, a wide swath of, of beers in different flavors, but why focus on sours? Um, when we first started, it was something that you know we were all getting into. It's a, considered a newer style in craft beer. It's a very old style in general, just because originally a lot of beers were sour. Um, and when we first started, there, there was kind of a void in the market. So there were a lot of breweries that... Um, you know, around the country that we're starting to get into sours, but nobody in Kansas City was making them locally, year-round, much variety, you know, different fruits. And so it, it, it worked out really well that we were kind of entering with that focus. Is there a style of beer that you guys have wanted to make but can't crack yet? Or, uh, or something that you just, uh, you would love to be making, but, like, you can't, can't get access to it or don't have the ingredients necessary? Um, I'd say our biggest thing is, is our size. We're a small brewery. We don't have a lot of capacity. And so one style, which seems like a no-brainer, but something we hadn't been able to do until very recently, actually today we, uh, we canned our first lager. And oh, wow. <laughs> super clean, crisp, Mexican-style lager, but it's something we'd never been able to do in the past just because we couldn't dedicate a tank to that long, that we couldn't tie one up. Um, and so now when we've got so many tanks that are empty that we're you know, trying to keep things filled as we go, um, it made sense to, to finally get one going. What's the story behind your tap room? Because you guys are certainly famous for what a, what a great space that is. Yeah, when we, we, we kind of started backwards. Most breweries, you know, you open a tap room, you raise money, you get your name out, then you go into distribution. Because we went into distribution first. We didn't open the tap room until a year later. Um, that gave us a whole lot of time looking at this empty space that we knew would be our tap room to really plan and think about what we wanted to do. Um, we had a friend of the brewery who had a Downs honey locust tree that had been planked and had been aging, so it was perfect timing. He donated to that, and so that whole tree became our main bar, and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the tap room. Um, so we, our motto as a brewery is tradition evolving, and so we try to use the tap room space to be part rustic, um, yeah, to be part rustic, and um, but also kind of have some really clean, you know, new style to it. So, yeah, it's, it's difficult to talk about uh, all the great services you guys offer because uh, obviously you had to shut down for a while and are now starting to reopen. Like, uh, what is, what is, how, how has COVID impacted you and your business? 
Um, it, it really, you know, our business kind of took a nosedive at the beginning and then luckily has picked back up. Um, being a brewery that was distributing in four states, for all of that to end very suddenly, all of our distro to, to reach out to us and say, you know, those orders we are going to pick up, we're not picking them up. We don't know, you know, what future orders are going to happen. And so then that left us kind of figuring out, well, if we're really only left to tap room sales and people can't come in and sit down and drink, how is that even going to work? Um, so we really thought early on, um, I mean, pretty much immediately we had to lay off our employees um, because we wanted to make sure they were set up, that they could file for unemployment and, and have some options. Um, and we, yeah, just kind of figuring out, you know, how we could, we could make it work. Um, we thought we were going to take you know, all the ingredients that we had left, we were going to brew what we could with those, we were going to take the beers that we'd already brewed and package those, and then we thought we were going to have to shut down the brewery as a whole and, and stuff too. But almost immediately we got, um, you know, people coming into the tap room on a daily basis, buying beer to go. I think once it set in for people that they really couldn't go to bars and restaurants, that this was, you know, the new thing, is that they're not going to stop drinking. It, um, it seems that a lot of people are, were, were drinking a little bit more during this time. Um, and they were really good about, about keeping it steady. So they weren't coming in saying, you know, I'm going to stock up on beer. Um, a lot of them were, you know, I'm going to come in today. A couple of days later, I'm going to buy more. A few days later, I'm going to buy more. And that really helped us kind of project. Are you guys back to selling kegs again? Um, we aren't yet. We haven't filled kegs since March. Um, we had to buy some kegs back from our distributor just to kind of help them out so that they would then bring in some more cans for distro. Um, we had a few beers that were in kegs, and we knew we didn't know when you know kegs were going to be picked up again. We still don't know when they're going to be picked up again. Um, that we actually sent back into our bright tank and then ended up canning. So we were able to turn some of those beers that were kegs back into cans to keep those things going. The the can sales have been have been nuts, um, just because it's it was such a, a smaller part of our production, and now it's you know become the majority of our production. No, like I. I'm so fascinated because uh, liquor stores were deemed essential. Uh, why, why did your distributor uh, back down on, on, on all these purchases? Yeah, they um, distribution as a whole, just a distributor, and a lot of people, not everyone understands, the distributor buys the beer from a, a brewery. They then own the beer, and then they sell it to, you know, to bars and restaurants and stores. And so that's a lot of inventory, especially the bigger distributors who are, you know, carrying Miller and Coors and stuff, that they're always having to have a lot of beer on, on hand. Um, I think a lot of them originally didn't know that they were going to be able to sell as much packaged beer to cover the cost of all those kegs they had in inventory or what they were going to do with that. Um, and then as, as again, as, as kind of they felt a little bit more secure that people were going to liquor stores, they were buying things, um, they were able to kind of then float some more cans into, into distribution. What is the what does the path back to normal look like for you guys? We're still discussing it. Um, we're hoping to have uh, you know set a hard date on when we're going to reopen in a, a safe way. I think we've got a really good plan as far as you know taking care of our customers and our employees and, and keeping everyone safe. It's just uh, the timing of when to do it and everything else going on in the world. Um, we're probably going to start with a reservation system just so we have a little bit more control over how many people are coming in. We've taken this time to kind of um, rework and, and renovate our barrel room to have more seating and have a little nicer spot. Um, so we're excited for people to see that. But until bars and restaurants can reopen and we can really see you know beer moving like it used to, um, 
it's, it's hard to say when things will get closer to normal. What have things been like for you personally with your family? Um, it's it's been. I, I mean, it's hard to say with everything going on in the world that it's not not you know awful. But it, it's for me personally, it's probably some of the best family time I've gotten in a while. Um, I immediately started working from home when everything went down, and then I was just coming to the brewery late at night when no one else was here. Um, my wife and I have gotten to play teacher with our, our kids and, and figure out that, uh, make that work. Um, you know, we've just been doing everything we can to, to stay busy and play games, and we've been camping in the backyard, and we've been going hiking and visiting things. So um, it, it's tough. It, we've got a, a six-month-old just about at home, and she, you know, if, if stranger danger wasn't a concern for, you know, kids at that age anyways, I don't, I don't know what it's going to be like when she really gets around people. Uh, final question here is just uh, how can people support you and Crane uh, moving forward here? Yeah, obviously coming to our brewery is great, buying the beer from us, um, but it's really a matter of convenience. If you're at the grocery store or liquor store and you want to pick up a six-pack, um, I think you know the, the huge thing will be local support after this. I'm, I'm really hoping people kind of jump on that and, and have recognized how much it makes a difference to our, you know, our local community and our economy to support local businesses, whether it's beer or coffee or restaurants. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that's at least one takeaway we get out of this for a while. Christopher, thank you so much for talking to me today. You bet. Thanks, Rob. All right. Thank you. Okay, that was today's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends. Please support The Pitch. Uh, check out our work on thepitchkc.com. We're doing news every single day. Uh, the magazine is great. If you have a couple bucks you can toss our way, we'd really appreciate that. This was edited by Terrence Wiggins. Hire him if you need audio editing work. Uh, we really appreciate you guys listening in. Pitch in, and we'll make it. Thank you so much.